No country has ever prospered that failed to put its own interests first. We will no longer surrender this country or its people to the false song of globalism. New Right Network presents, right now, the featured podcast of New Right Network. Mobilizing, countering the left, energizing the right. New Right Network, home of the New Right Movement. Welcome to the New Right Network's Right Now podcast. I'm your host, Justine Burke-Murray, and with me today is Michael Yoder. Michael is a legal analyst and hosts his own New Right Network podcast called Mike the Lawyer, where he explains complex law simplified for everyday people. Tell us more about yourself, Mike. So I'm an attorney in D.C. I specialize in some government corruption, mass tort litigation. I do some personal injury as well. And today, I believe we're going to talk about the uh, 3M dual-ended combat arms earplug litigation that's going on in Pensacola, Florida. Right. So speaking of that, you're representing um, over, 100, over 100 veterans who have been affected by 3M. Can you tell us more about the cases you are representing? Yeah, so from 2003 to 2015, there were earplugs provided from the military to the veterans uh, in combat, and those earplugs were made and manufactured by 3M Company. Now, the issue with the earplugs was that when they sold them to the government on a contract, the earplugs were defective. And in 2018, the government reached a settlement with 3M arising out of these earplugs. It was publicized in 2019. And after that was made public, that's when the cases took off and a lot of people heard of the allegations and a lot of veterans began uh, hiring attorneys and lawsuits were beginning to get filed. So since allegations have started coming out, um, did you see that more veterans were holding allegations in response to um, the veterans who at first spoke out a bit about this? Um, or um, is it more of people spoke out at first originally um, when they started getting um, hearing loss issues? Uh, so which was it more of an initial thing or was it more of um, people started speaking out after um, veterans initially spoke? So the initial case arose out of a whistleblower. Uh, someone that was with Moldex, they filed what's called a key TAM action, which is where a private citizen effectively comes forward with allegations of government fraud. You see it often in the context of the FCA False Claims Act cases. Here, because the government bid on the contract, and or excuse me, 3M bid on the government contract, the issue was that the government fund was going to 3M for these earplugs to purchase them. However, 3M withheld the known defects of the product when they bid on that government contract bid. So that's why the earplugs were provided to the military. Now the veterans didn't know that the earplugs were defected, neither did the government. The DOJ, the DOD, neither of whom knew that the earplugs were defective, but they were still provided to the uh, servicemen and women from 2003 till 2015. So once the whistleblower came forward, that's when the key TAM action was brought against 3M and the case began to divulge it, litigated for two years, and then a settlement was reached. But once the settlement was reached, that's when it was made public from a press release from the Department of Defense. And once that was made public, 
the veterans have been uh, filing suit against 3M in their own action. It's entirely unrelated to the government case because these are more so for personal injuries where they were injured by a defective product as opposed to the government KETAM litigation case, which was based upon fraud. You deceived the government and excerpted and usurped government funds because of a product upon which you falsely presented to the government. Right. So you reported that um, 3M intentionally and intentionally um, had these earplugs defected or made these earplugs defective. Did I get that right? Did they intentionally make these earplugs defective or did they just know that they were defective and not tell anybody? Well, I don't think, and, and hopefully there's no company that would intentionally make a defective product, especially one that's for safety and even more so for, for our veterans, the, the people keep us safe at home. But I don't think that the product was intended to be defective from the outset. I think that what happened was, was that a lot of money was dumped into the manufacturing of prototypes and the earplugs and getting everything underway in terms of production. And after they began producing the earplugs, they realized that they didn't work. And rather than scrapping the project because of the amount of money invested, allegations are that 3M continually manufactured the product and then manipulated the testing results on the NRR, which is the noise reduction rating. It's effectively the standard for earplugs set forth by the EPA. Uh, very similar to an FDA approval before a narcotic can hit the market from pharmaceutical manufacturers. So that's the example or the analogy, I would say. You have to have an appropriate NRR to be sold, and the NRR on these was far lower than what was expected by law. Right. What are the next steps for veterans who have already filed allegations against 3M? So the case is very procedurally complex. Oftentimes people associate this case with a class action because of the volume of people affected. And while the volume is very similar to that of what a class action would be, if you look at the tobacco litigation, asbestos, transvaginal mesh, uh, you were getting into this with the vaping and Juul, you had the big Volkswagen case, uh, Capital One data breach, those are all class actions. But the difference here is that the, the cases have been separated into two different distinct groups. And there are cases that have actually filed lawsuits and there are cases that are uh, told, pursuing to a tolling, tolling agreement reached between the plaintiffs and 3M company. And that is effectively preserving the claim and the statute of limitations, which is the time period you have to file a lawsuit. So right now the cases that have been filed, there's a, uh, they have been told indefinitely not to be confused with the tolling agreement on providing census questions and document production while we're getting the unfiled inventory cases uh, up to speed so that way 3M can gauge the number of people affected and the range of injuries from those affected people. Right. Now, are there more veterans who have um, already filed lawsuits um, or allegations or are there more veterans who have spoken out, um, who have allegations, but haven't filed anything formal yet? So there's a, a large number of cases filed, I would say between three and 4,000. Uh, the case is pending in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, 
three colon 19 dash MD 2885. I've had to type that in a lot of times, so I have memorized one now. Uh, there, that's the docket where you can see the number of filed cases. There are far more cases in inventory, I would say. Um, roughly five to 6,000 have been filed and there's over 40,000 in inventory right now. It could be up in the 50s. Uh, because again, it was every service member that served between 2003 and 2015 that was given these exclusive earplugs. And anyone that has been diagnosed with hearing loss or uh, tinnitus, which is the ringing in the ear, they are subject to a claim. So the, the number is far larger for those who have not filed and that's strategic. It's uh, saving on expenses and the tolling agreement preserves the statute of limitations. So that is really the biggest thing is making sure that the case is uh, justiciable and the plaintiff has standing to bring it because otherwise, if they wait too long to bring a lawsuit, then they're forever barred. And that's what the tolling agreement is trying to preserve. Right. So what would you say to veterans who um, have been affected by um, the defects with 3M, but they think it might have been too long ago um, and they don't know whether their case would still be eligible to file? Well, what I would say is it never hurts to ask as a starting point. The first thing I do want to mention is there are a large number of veterans that have hearing loss, but they suffered hearing loss prior to 2003. They were enlisted in the 60s, 70s, or 80s, and they were discharged between 95 and 2002. If you weren't in the military during the time in which you used the earplugs, then obviously it wouldn't be a case that you would be able to pursue because it's not a lawsuit against 3M because of hearing loss. It's a lawsuit against 3M because of hearing loss as a result of 3M's earplugs. So that's the first step. But if anyone has, has sustained injuries regarding the, uh, their hearing, whether they've sustained injuries such as tinnitus, uh, if they get VA benefits for disability, those examples. Uh, they've been tested with audiogram, uh, audiological testing or exams, then they would also be subject to um, being able to file suit. Now, it's time sensitive, so I would, I would highly recommend contacting an attorney. There's, there's plenty of, of wonderful lawyers that are working on these cases. Uh, Brian Aylstock is the lead counsel in Pensacola, and, and he is doing a phenomenal job with this litigation. Um, there are numerous lawyers throughout the country. My firm in particular is still handling the cases. We're signing up new clients regularly. Um, I would recommend that any veteran reach out. And a lot of veterans have been deterred because of the marketing and the, the means by which lawyers have advertised these cases. And it comes off as, as spam. They're getting Facebook messages and emails and, and people don't buy into that because they see it so often. And then they equate it with a class action where they think it's gonna be, oh, I might get a check for five bucks in six years. Well, these cases I can't articulate or, or specify that any value, nor can I guarantee that there will be compensation, but there is a substantial likelihood um, closest to the probability that I can give as an attorney without admitting or, or conceding that something's going to happen. I can't promise the future, nor would I, but they are very uh, potentially lucrative. Uh, the, the, the sum of money in which we expect to get for our clients and uh, for everyone involved in the 3M cases should be pretty substantial. So I would just recommend looking up a 3M attorney. Um, you can obviously contact myself or my law firm. 
Um, I'd be more than happy to discuss it with any veteran, but um, it never hurts to ask. The first thing I would do is just contact a lawyer. Right. So you made um, the point how sometimes it's hard to distinguish, um, you know, what is spam um, when people are just looking through their emails and um, they see the ads about compensation coming up over and over again um, and something that actually might be legit, like what you're doing. So what is a tactic that you have that kind of distinguishes um, what you're doing um, from the, the spam that actually does, doesn't do as much as um, what your group does? So the first thing that we do, um, I work with Mike Slocum, he's based out of Alabama, and we, the Slocum Law Firm has a su substantial number of, you know, very, very equipped and, and resourceful staff. We have some of the best attorneys I've worked with. And the one thing that we do is whenever an, a, an intake calls, we speak with them directly. We don't push uh, the electronic fillable forms that you just type in and get your generic info, then get contacted by someone that's in a call center. Uh, whenever we have clients call in, if they have questions about it, uh, we just get the basic information they're immediately transferred to an attorney. And one of the things that I've noticed or that I've heard in terms of feedback is that clients really appreciate calling a law firm and as ironic as it may be, talking to a lawyer. Oftentimes uh, people will call and they'll get uh, a hold of eight different people before they ever talk to an attorney on the phone. And uh, we don't do that. It's, it's streamlined to the point where we get as much information as we need before I can pick up the phone and have a, a substantive conversation. But I speak with every single one of my clients. Um, Mike does as well, the, the, the CEO and managing partner of the firm, as well as a couple other attorneys in our Alabama office. So the, it's, it's just direct client one-on-one -on -one interaction with the attorney. Um, and, and I think that that is a big part of it because we tailor our questions to each individual person as opposed to a fillable form and just feeling like a number, we really strive to make sure that our clients feel as if they are clients and we know them by name and we communicate with them regularly. Right. Um, so I'd like to go back to the symptoms that veterans have been experiencing with the defect. Um, you've mentioned tinnitus and hearing loss as some of the main um, things that veterans have experienced. Are there any other medical issues that have come up from this? There are some. I mean, there are some people that have total deafness uh, if they were in IED blast. Now, there's an issue as to causation. Would the most state-of-the-art earplug have prevented going deaf from a, an IED explosion? We don't know. But there are other people that have had Meniere syndrome. Um, there are other people that have um, mild traumatic brain injuries or MTBIs. There are other people who have um, suffered uh, wounds from the earplug design being circular, falling out of their ear, bending over to pick it up, uh, getting shot. There are a lot of different things. I would say that the, the overwhelming majority of injuries are related to uh, one or bilateral ear uh, hearing loss or the, or the tinnitus. But um, in just in general, I mean, some of the clients never even got a chance to be deployed. They were discharged because of injury just from shooting on the range during basic training. Uh, other people were in active duty combat. You have people on aircraft carriers that are around jets. You have people that are in tanks. You have people in helicopters. There's just a loud noise produced by a substantial number of different 
components of the military, whether guns, vehicles, um, generators, for example, airplanes. So um, the, the majority would, would be around the hearing loss and tinnitus. Right. Now, do you know of, um, has 3M responded in any way to the allegations and what has been their response? What are they claiming in their defense? Well, in going back to the initial settlement from the, the key TAM action with the government, that was a settlement, but there was a express denial of liability or wrongdoing, which again is very standard in litigation across the board. That's not um, something that is uncommon for defendants to do. Very, it, it's, it, it's very rare for a defendant to get charged with a crime and plead guilty at his preliminary hearing or his arraignment. Just like when you get sued, the first thing that happens is not you admit that you did something wrong or that you're liable for it. So 3M has responded to the, to the complaint and we're going through discovery right now, but um, the, the amount of work and the time and the investment that plaintiff's lawyers and defense counsel and Judge Rogers in Pensacola, who's also doing a great job handling this case, um, have, have put into it is, is very substantial. The evidence um, which we are in the process of still gathering is highly indicative. Uh, so I don't anticipate an outright statement of admission from 3M, nor do I anticipate uh, a trial happening in the next, you know, six months. But the weight of the evidence and the level of interaction and cooperation amongst the parties is, is relatively indicative in terms of litigation that there will be uh, a very good settlement awarded at some point in the future, whatever that, that point may be. Right. And where can viewers best follow up with this case, best find updates? So a lot of them uh, on Pacer, which is a paid account, um, that shows you the docket as to what's going on. Uh, there's also other court monitors, uh, court listener, for example, gives you a docket. But again, those are very difficult legalese, uh, complex documents to follow. I'm going to be covering it fairly substantially, both on Twitter and on my website. Uh, people can follow me. It's at Mike the Lawyer DC is my handle, and likewise, MikeTheLawyerDC.com is my website. And there will be some other stuff through New Right Network covering this. I'm going to try to be working on the story pretty substantially in terms of keeping the public updated. Um, but right now, the most important thing to me is making sure that the veterans that protect and serve our country some who have sacrificed their life, some now have sacrificed their hearing and uh, keeping us safe in America. I wanna make sure that they're protected and, and even if it's only a little bit that I can do to give back to them, I'm gonna try to do whatever it is that I can to, to represent them and get the compensation they deserve for their decreased hearing capacity and the injuries they've suffered. Right. Well, thank you so much for your continuous work um, for these veterans. It's very unfortunate to hear what they've been through and you can find New Right Network at newrightnetwork.com or on our Twitter at New Right Network and on Facebook, New Right Network. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Thank you. You've been listening to New Right Network, mobilizing, countering, energizing. Online at newrightnetwork.com. <laughs>